Well, good morning. It's uh, here with you today, and uh, man, I don't know about you, but uh, this has been it's been a rough week, and with all that's going on in our country, and uh, not, not just the virus, it's, but uh, all of the uh, talk and uh, actions of. Uh, racism and all the rest of that wow it's been a difficult difficult week but I am glad we have this time to be together I was just talking with Paul and Scott and the guys before we began and saying man I what a what a well-timed first Sunday of the month when we can remember Christ's death because we need to grab hold of what Jesus did for us on the cross because that is alone the solution to all of what's happening. Um, We're going to jump into a new series for a couple of weeks here uh, on the will of God. And and as we think about that, one of the most discussed topics that I have encountered over uh, my 14 years as, uh, as a youth pastor um, as the guy in charge of recruitment and admissions at two different Christian colleges for 18 years and for almost nine years as pastor here at Heritage is the will of God. By far and away, one of the most discussed topics, the will of God. Uh, we talk about doing God's will. We talk about finding the will of God. We talk about being out of God's will. We talk about things being done according to God's will. So God's will is in a lot of our conversation and with one another and certainly as part of our ministry at the church. But much of the discussion boils down to, I believe, one question. How can I know what God's will is for my life? How can I know God's will for my life? How do I figure that out? How do I discover? How do I find God's will for my life? Uh, But I'm concerned and have been for quite a while now that we uh, who know and follow Jesus don't really understand this whole business of God's will as it's revealed for us in the Bible. I think we, we have added so much to it and it has become a confusing and uncertain topic in the life of a believer to know God's will for their life. Thus, our series title, It's Not What You Think, understanding God's will. That's what we're going to look at over the course of these next few weeks. Uh, Understanding God's will. How do we know what that is? Uh, Let me ask you, are you today doing the will of God? Are you at this time in your life, maybe not right at this minute as you're sitting in your home or wherever you may be uh, watching this, But I'm talking about at this period of your life, this time in your life, this phase of your life. Are you doing God's will right now? How do you know that? Are you sure about that? Students, 
What is God's will for your life next fall when school begins again? Assuming that that happens, as we typically know it does. But what is God's will for you and how you should conduct yourself? Uh, High school or college grads, the class of 2020, what is God's will for you? What's your next step in life? Have you figured that out yet? Are you sure that you are doing, planning to do, or that you know what it is that God wants you to do with your life? Parents, what does God want your family to learn about racism during these days? Does that have anything to do with God's will in your life? Um, We think about our heritage family, you who are watching, just in general. How does God want you to love your neighbor? We've given an opportunity for for you as members of our body here to to reach out to your neighbors with a can I help card. And how does God want you? What is God's will for you in helping your neighbors, helping to love your neighbor? Believers, what is God's will for your life? Does God have a specific will and plan for our lives that he expects us to know and figure out before we do anything? That's really the big question. Does God have a specific plan, uh, what we call a will for your lives, that he expects us to figure out before we do anything about it or before we make a decision. Well, I believe that God does have a specific plan for each of our lives, but it is not one that he expects us to figure out before we make a decision. And I think that's where many times believers, those who know and love Jesus, get stuck get frustrated, get confused because we feel like we must know exactly what the next step is. We must know God's plan, the next move in our lives before we can even make a decision. And in many cases, we've become spiritually paralyzed. We don't make a decision because we just aren't sure what God wants us to do. So there's a good chance However, as I say that this morning, that that's not what you think. There's a real good chance that that may not be what you were taught as the way that you discover or find or know God's will for your life. So I believe the Bible gives us two different uh, descriptions of the will of God. And uh, we're going to take a look at those this morning, and and I'm going to recommend a book for you uh, in our study. Down the road, I'll give you a a couple of uh, resources, but one of those is a book called Just Do Something by Kevin DeYoung. And and there's a lot of material written on the will of God. There's all kinds of different approaches and, and ways of understanding how we understand and know God's will for our lives. And, and I've been looking at this over the years and studying it, and especially as I was in youth ministry for so long and then working at Christian colleges and working with high school students and college students. And the will of God was just 
just huge and knowing what that is. And so I like the way that Kevin DeYoung put it together and, 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 and the two descriptions. And I'm going to use his terminology, uh, why reinvent the wheel. And the first biblical approach to the will of God is called God's will of decree. God's will of decree. This is what God has sovereignly planned. It is his appointed purpose, his ordained or decreed will. He has decreed all that happens. That's God's will of decree. In fact, God's will of decree cannot be stopped. It cannot be hindered. It cannot be prevented. It cannot be changed. God has a will of decree the way things are, the way things will be, because he declared it to be so. Let's, let's look at some scriptures. And, and if you're not in the habit of taking notes, I'd encourage you to grab a pen or pencil, a piece of paper, or your phone, or tablet, whatever it is, and, and at least write these scriptures down, these Bible verses or passages that we're going to look at, so that you can check them out later on. And I'll have them on the screen for you, and I'm going to read them from my Bible as well. But uh, let's first of all look so that as we understand God's will of decree, this whole business of, of what does that mean and where do we find it in Scripture. So first of all, uh, Psalm 33. Psalm 33, verses 10 and 11. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. That's God's will of decree. God has planned. He has purposed all that is going to take place, and nothing can change that. That stands firm forever. Psalm 115, verses 1 through 3. Psalm 115, verses 1 to 3. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory, because of your love and faithfulness. Why do the nations say, where is their God? And look at this. Our God is in heaven. Does that ring a bell? Remember our study in Habakkuk? Yeah, that's one of the things that Habakkuk stated there towards the end of the, uh, of the book. But here it is. He does whatever pleases him. You see, we don't have to be afraid about anything. We don't have to be afraid about anything that's going on in our world today. It hasn't taken God by surprise. How do we know that? Because God, we saw earlier, has a plan and a purpose, and he does whatever pleases him. God's will of decree, nothing can stop it. Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 and 10. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. God had to remind Israel of that on a regular basis. He told them that way back at the beginning of the book of Exodus. But they often forgot that the one who was giving them direction, the one had revealed his will to them. They forgot that it was God. But here he says, I am the God. I make known the end from the beginning, from the ancient times, what is still to come. I 
my, I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. My purpose will stand. Listen, God said that to Habakkuk, didn't he? Remember when Habakkuk was concerned, he questioned, he was lamenting about what was going on. And God says, listen, Habakkuk, I got this covered. Wait and live by faith. It's all set because my purpose will stand and I will do what I please. Acts chapter 4, verses 27 and 28. I love this. These are some of my favorite verses in the book of Acts because it, it's just an amazing thing that God did when Satan and all of his human allies on the earth, the Jews and the Roman government, and, or uh, thought that they had put an end to Jesus when Satan thought it was over. We read this. Acts 4.27, indeed Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed. Now, this you, you got to get the context and you can go to the book of Acts chapter 4 to find that out and all that's what's going on. But he's, they're praying, the disciples and Peter and John are saying, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. You see, Satan thought he, he'd put an end to Jesus by sending him to the cross. He was crucified. But guess what? That was God's plan. That was what God had intended all along should happen. We just remembered the death of Jesus on the cross. That was God's plan. They did what your power, what God's power and God's will had decided should happen. You see, God's will of decree can't be stopped, can't be hindered, can't be changed. Nothing can thwart all that God intends to do. And then Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11. This is a great chapter. Uh, read chapter 1 in its entirety and you'll pick up on this whole idea of God's will of decree. But in verse 11, in him we were also chosen, we as believers, we who know Jesus, having been predestined according to the plan of him, God's plan, God's will, who works out everything. God works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. There it is. God has a plan. God has a purpose. We call it God's will of decree. That's what he has determined will happen. So what's going on today? It's not taking God by surprise. That's why in all of the COVID-19 stuff and, and, and all of the, the, for the conspiracy theorists out there, you know what? There may or may not. I don't know. But guess what? If there is, God knows. Because he has purposed all, everything that will happen. In other words, as we talk about God's will of decree, God will get his way. Now that sounds carnal, it sounds more human, but it, it's according to God's plan. God will get his way. Um, what God wills will happen. And what happens is according to God's will. Did you get that? What God wills will happen. And what happens is according to God's will. That's it. God's 
will of decree. But secondly in scripture, there's God's will of desire. These are the things that God has commanded for you and I who know Jesus to to practice, to do as part of our life. The things that he desires from us. His desires for how we should live our lives as those who are known as followers of Jesus. And, And our response to God's will of desire is to obey to do what it is that God desires of us. Listen, we just did that. When we celebrated together the Lord's Supper, communion, we remembered Christ's death, and we are doing that until he comes again, until we're no longer here on this earth. Why? Because that's what God desired for us as a church was to do so that we don't forget. Christ's death on the cross for us. God's will of desire. If the will of decree is how things are, the will of desire is how things ought to be. Do you see the difference? The will of decree is how things are, how they will be, period. The will of desire is how things ought to be, how God desires that they should be. And this is the difference between God's sovereignty, that's God's will of decree, and man's responsibility, that's God's will of desire. And and as we look at that, the way God wants us to live, you see, God's will of decree can't be stopped, can't be hindered. God's will of desire can be disregarded, can be disobeyed by God's people. If we choose not to obey what God desires for us, God's will of desire is left undone. Let's look at a couple of scripture verses. First of all, Matthew chapter 7 at verse 21. And again, I'd encourage you as you follow up on these references, read the context. I'm I'm just using these references and moving through the the mentioning of the will of God, but when you check out the context, you'll see that it's right there. And so here we have, uh, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. God has a will. The will of my Father is what we read And it is only the one who does the will of my Father who will go to heaven. You know what that means? And and we know this from other scriptures, other verses in the Bible, that it is God's will that you know Jesus Christ. If you're watching today, if you're listening today, and you do not know Jesus, you do not have that relationship. You've never put your faith in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, that which we just remembered by communion. And if you've never put your faith in what Jesus did on the cross, he gave his life, he shed his blood, then you're out of the will of God because it is God's desire that you be saved. It is God's desire that your sin be forgiven. And that's why he sent Jesus. It is possible for you to be forgiven and for you to be able to live in the will of God. But you can't do that until you know God by faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Let's go to the next one. Romans chapter 8, 
Romans chapter 8. And, and I don't know if you've ever thought about this being part of the God's will of desire, but here it is. And we know that in all things, everything that's going on, all circumstances and experiences in your life, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Those who love him, there it is, those who have responded and know Jesus Christ, of all those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. God's purpose, God's plan. And when we've been saved, God has a plan. God has a purpose. And when we know and love God, everything that happens in our life is according to God's plan and purpose for us. His will. Now, we, we typically, many times, go verse 28 without 29, but I put verse 29 up there because I want you to see part of that purpose as we move on. Romans eight twenty nine is this. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. You see, there's the mission of Herod's Baptist Church. More people, more like Jesus, conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. God's will. 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15, 16, and 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in him. Now, I wish I had time to, to go into what is the world here. Uh, the world has... It, it is a, a system of belief that stands completely opposed to God in the person of Jesus Christ and his spirit. It, it's Satan's plan to keep people from God, from knowing him. But do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from this world. And here it is, verse 17. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Whoever fulfills the desires of God, that's what we're talking about. God's will of desire, whoever does the will of God lives forever. That starts with salvation, that's God's will. But then for those of us who know Jesus, we live our lives in conformity to God's plan for our lives. And then lastly, Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Uh, this is kind of a benediction that the writer of the book of Hebrews leaves. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, just talking about the resurrection, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with every good, everything good for doing his will. So the writer of the book of Hebrews is praying for, for the believers that God will equip them with everything good for doing his his will, God's will of desire, and he, may he work in us what is pleasing to him. Those things that God desires for us through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God's will of desire. God's will of desire is about walking with God in obedience to his word on a daily basis, on a moment-by-moment moment basis living in obedience to God's revealed word we, we many times put it this way 
We need to do the next right thing. The next obedient thing that God desires for us. And uh, I believe that these two descriptions of God's will in Scripture, God's will of decree, God's will of desire, are, are real clearance in the Bible. But in talking about God's will, we typically add a third way, a third that we call God's will. And uh, we, we could refer to that as God's will of direction. Now understand this right at the outset. I don't believe that there is such a thing as God's will of, of, of direction. It's not in the Bible. We may think it's there and to look for it, but God's will of direction is where we get confused. It's where we get ourselves in trouble. It's where we add all kinds of frustration. This is the desire to know who, what, when, why, how, of all the details of our lives. And, and this is where most of the questions and confusion regarding this whole business of the will of God come along. What does God want me uh, to do with my life? What job should I pursue after I uh, leave college? What college should I go to? Should I go to college? Who should I marry? Should I get married? Uh, what car should I buy? What house should I buy? Should I buy a house? Should I buy a car? All of these kinds of questions are the questions that, that we would refer to as God's will of direction, but I don't believe you find them in Scripture. And we're going to talk about that over the course of these next few weeks to help you understand, you know, even if, if it is God's will for you to be married, how many kids should you have and 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 all of those kinds of things that the decisions that we call God's will of direction they they're endless and uh, it's not because we don't have a right motivation we want to please God we want to do what God wants us to do but we many times are looking in the wrong direction and this is where it gets real frustrating and this is where fear enters into this whole business of knowing the will of God. You see, because this is what, when we have to ask, well, what happens if I make a wrong decision? Oh, no. Am I stuck for life? What happens if I marry the wrong person? What happens if I buy the wrong car? What happens if I move to the wrong state? Oh no, what am I going to do now? What happens if I train and prepare for, go to college for a specific career only to find out it's the wrong career? What? And this is where we get ourselves confused and, and out of whack. Listen, back in my senior year of high school when I first really decided, okay, I'm going to live for God and I'm going to be serious about making a difference for Jesus. I want to tell my friends about what God has done in my life, and I began to do that. And, and I came across an approach to sharing the gospel called the Four Spiritual Laws. It was put out by Dr. Bill Bright, who at that time was uh, president of, the, of uh, Campus Crusade for Christ. It's now simply called Crew. And I looked up that uh, Four Spiritual Laws online, and, and, and they've redone it. But but the first law in that approach to sharing the gospel was God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And I remember asking, well, if God has a wonderful plan for my life, and I was asking this question as a believer, why doesn't he just make it known? Why doesn't he just make it easier to find the will of God? Why does he have to make knowing the will of God so hard and so difficult? 
Listen to me. Put your pen down. Look at me. God has not made it difficult to know his will. When you think about that just doesn't make sense. We have made it difficult. We are the ones who have made it confusing. We are the ones who have added fear and frustration to this whole business of the will of God. Knowing God's will for your life is not what you might think. It's not what you may have been taught. It is not about God's will of direction. And we're going to study that over the course of the next few weeks. I say that because God does not have a hidden will of direction for your life that he expects you to discover or that you ask him to reveal before it unfolds. Or one of those things that we hear him saying, you're getting warmer, you're getting warmer. And when we think that's how we discover God. It, it doesn't work that way. So what now? Well, in these weeks ahead, we're going to spend time looking at God's will, and I want you to understand this. Now pick up your pen again if you put it down, or your phone or tablet, and, and I want you to write this down because here's the deal. You can know God's will for your life by living in obedience to the revealed word of God, the Bible. That's the Word of God, the Bible. You can know God's will for your life by living in obedience to the revealed Word of God. And that's what we're going to be zeroing in on over the course of these next weeks. You don't need to live in confusion or uncertainty, wondering about the decisions you need to make or you've already made. You don't need to, to worry about how to decide what God wants you to do and then what happens if you make the wrong choice and living in fear. If we're going to know and do God's will for our lives, you and I must decide that we will obey what God has already told us in the Bible is clearly his will for our lives his very words to us that is how we discover the will of God so what do I want you to do this week well I'd like you to dig into the Bible I'd like you to work back through the references that we've just talked about I'd like you to study them read them in their context write them down and then I'd like you also to think about other verses in the Bible that you maybe have memorized that you've been taught other verses that talk about what God wants us to do. God's will of, de of desire. Look also for other verses where we find God's will of decree. Those things that God said will happen and nothing is going to stop it. But look for those areas that God desires that you and I obey him. And write them down as well. And um, I, I think here, here is what a verse, Acts chapter 17 and verse 11, now the Berean Jews were of more noble character. This is the church in Berea that was started by Paul. They were more noble than those in Thessalonica, where they, Paul also started a church. For they received the message, the truth of the word of God, with great eagerness and examined the scriptures, the Bible, 
All right. They didn't have the exact Bible, but they would have been looking at the Old Testament scriptures. They examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. I'm saying, hey, examine the scriptures. Look in the Bible to see if what I'm telling you is there. That's critical. I want to tell you about something that I believe is a revealed will of God for us. This is clearly God's will of desire. And here's something that I've been praying about this week. Mentioned to you that it's been, a, it's been a rough week for all of us. Many different ways. But I put together a statement on what is going on, how I feel uh, about all of the, this business of racial inequality that we're hearing so much about in our country today. And so, I, racism has no place in the life of the believer. Not at all. Racism is in complete opposition to the unity that God tells us ought to be a characteristic of His church, of each one of us who know and follow the Lord Jesus. Racism is the belief that one race is inherently superior to another race, that's just not true. You, you find nothing about that in Scripture. In fact, what we read when we study the Word of God is that all men are created in the image of God, even those who don't even know that yet. I spent a lot of time this week thinking and praying and reading and listening and learning. learning all that I can about the racial issues that are dividing our country. I've been torn about what to say or even if I should say anything at all. I certainly don't want to say the wrong thing or to say anything that would be misunderstood or misinterpreted. And it's almost as if no matter what a person says in the midst of all of this, someone will find something wrong with it you said too much, you didn't say enough, and things will end up being worse afterwards than if nothing had been said at all. And yet I believe I need to just share with you as one of your shepherds, heritage, family, an opportunity to encourage you, to shepherd, to teach. So I'm convinced that I need to stick to what God says and He says that we who know and love the Lord Jesus must love our neighbors as ourselves. And he illustrates that truth by telling the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. So let me encourage you to read through that. Luke 10, 25 to 37. And discover more of God's will of desire. There's no place in the church for looking down on any race. And to put it in the context of what's happening in our country, there's no place anywhere for white people to look down on black people. What happened in Minnesota when George Floyd was killed by a police officer was absolutely wrong. And I hope no one questions that. 
But we've got to stop all of the racial distancing. We've got to stop the mistrust and insensitivity. We've got to stop the feelings of superiority and actions of superiority and and hate. The issue of racism is not, will not be easily solved. And it is further complicated by the fact that there are those from all sides, all sides, who are attempting to take advantage of what has happened to advance their own personal agendas. And that's also racist behavior. A church today must become part of the solution to racism. Jesus is the only hope for our country, for our world. And we who know him must make him known because it is Jesus who came to bring unity. Help we need to cry out to God for that help in doing so. And those of us who know him must decide that we will be more like Jesus by doing all that we can individually to stop racism. Let me pray. Father, help us as we begin this study on the will of God to understand what you never intended to be difficult or frustrating or an experience of fear. God, help us to dig into what you say to us. And Father, I want to pray this morning as well for our people, for heritage. God, for other churches, other believers around our country, around the world. God, give us wisdom. Give us strength. God, help us to... to, to share your grace and your love with a world who needs the hope that only you can give. Father, I want to pray for the Floyd family at this time, and I want to pray that you would minister to them, bring comfort and strength to that family. Father, I pray for peace in Minneapolis and and around our country. I pray for justice for those in all situations. I pray for the officers that were involved in, the, uh, in that killing. Oh God, I pray for those who are working in, in, in that city and having to go through all of those trials. God, I pray for those in our own community who fear that maybe something like this could happen here. And I pray for our law enforcement officers all over the country and For those that we know, thank you for their willingness to give of their lives too to protect. And I pray, Lord, for for reconciliation even in communities where, where that's all been divided. Father, I pray for courage and restraint on their behalf and on the behalf of our communities in response to them as well. I pray that you would heal the division in our country. And I pray for those of our government leaders at the local, state, and national level for our president and the vice president and his cabinet and all involved that you would give them discernment and understanding to know how to balance all of the claims of justice and freedom and due process and all those kinds of things. God, help us as your church to stand and be bold for your glory. 
Help us to stand in the middle of the will of God, right where you desire we be. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.